In a getting to know you Instagram post, you wrote, if we dated, chances are you are represented in my books in some way. Has this confession been a good thing or a bad thing for the individuals immortalized in your stories? Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, if I dated you, I try to bring those good points in. Like there's certain moments that are like, that is so cute. You can't really, I mean, I want to recreate that, just not for myself. And so it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like a <laughs> It's kind of like a diary. Welcome to The Right Note, a podcast dedicated to the independent author. From the craft of storytelling to the business side of publication, we cover it all. I'm J. Ryan Fenzel. And I'm Kira F. Jacobs. And this is The Right Note. In this episode, we welcome contemporary romance novelist Christy Lene Moore to discuss globetrotting, horseback riding, and the fascinating Kingsman. Welcome back to The Right Note. Remember to join our community and follow us on Instagram at The Right Note Podcast. And if you like what you hear, post a nice comment about the show on podchaser.com. We're going to talk to Christy about her novel, Trevi, which revolves around this grand world traveling adventure. And it got me thinking about traveling in general. And I want to ask you, Kira, do you like to travel? No, (laughs) I used to. I like the thought of traveling. I like the places that I could go, like, you know, just imagining the cool places. But getting there, I no. I hate flying. I hate flying. I hate driving. And once I get to a place... If I don't feel comfortable there, I'm not going to enjoy myself. So honestly, short short answer, no. I don't like traveling. I like the thought of it. Well, I think you're my daughter then because I, I like being someplace at a destination, but that's not really, that's only part of traveling, right? Yeah. You've got all this stuff. I mean, packing, packing is a pain. I mean, you got to try and take everything you need for however long you're going to be gone and you don't want to forget something, right? You're trying to maintain, I guess, a routine when you're away from home with the stuff you bring and have all the things. you. And it's just, it's an anxiety inducing thing, isn't it, Kara? Yes. And I don't necessarily love tours, you know, and following a tour guide around or listening to a tour guide at a museum. I'm like, ah. So, yeah, if I could just like snap my fingers and be somewhere, I would go somewhere where I could hike or see cool scenery. But that's really it. I remember when you did that uh, European trip with the, um, what was that group? The People to People Ambassadors. Yeah. I loved that, but I don't think I would do that now, which is weird. Yeah, but what's funny is when you guys, when your group went to the Louvre in France, oh, and everybody was walking around looking at the pictures, and what did you tell us you're doing? You went to Starbucks with one of your friends. <laughs> oh my, I forgot about that. I remember leaving the Louvre because it was so hot and I saw the Mona Lisa and I thought that's it that's the (laughs) Mona Lisa I was sweating it was crowded the Mona Lisa was like a 12 by 12 picture I was like I'm out of here yeah I guess I'm not suited for travel (laughs) they oversell the Mona Lisa is that what you're saying I mean I'm not gonna say that it's the Mona Lisa but I wasn't very impressed (laughs) (laughs) 
So I guess I went to Starbucks instead. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, you did. You did. And then that was very funny. But like, you know, then there's the preparation for travel, like making the reservations and getting your confirmation numbers and taking care of the things while you're away, like stopping mail. And it's such a it's such a hassle. And I'm glad your mother loves doing that stuff, like scheduling. Like you want to maximize your time away, uh, like our Disney trips or um, like the Viking trip or cruise me and your mom did. I mean, it's all very structured and scheduled. And man, it, that's where your mom excels. Traveling is daunting. And I might not go anywhere if it wasn't for your mother. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to be. I'd have to have a pretty big reason to go somewhere extreme. Like I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I probably never will because of the flight. Yeah, that's a long one. And I'll just live with that. That's a long one. I'm not, I'm not looking at your mom. She keeps bringing up Hawaii and I'm like, eh, maybe someday. <laughs> like if the opportunity presented itself and it was a perfect situation, I would go. But I would not necessarily choose to travel, but I might travel if I had a character with me who I enjoyed being with and it made it a very super fun time. Which leads us into Character is King, which is our segment where we each pick a fictional character either from books, movies, poetry, pretty much anything in the art field. So this week, we are choosing a character that we think is an amazing creation that we would like to travel with. So, Dad, you're going to go first. Which fictional character would you want to go on a global travel adventure with? I have the perfect character. And I just hope that you didn't pick it too. Oh, no. So Characters King Travel Edition. My pick is Phineas Fogg from Around the World in Eight. You shook your head like you have no idea who that is. Like, why would I pick that? <laughs> You're like, I hope you didn't around pick it. Around the World in 80 Days. Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne. It's a classic. I would never pick that. But I know. Okay, keep going. <laughs> Okay, let me explain that. <laughs> Do you know the story of Around the World in 80 Days? Yeah, yeah. It takes place in 1872 when like the industrial world was just kind of coming online and railroads and steamships and all that. And and Phineas Fogg makes a bet with his rich hoity-toity friends at this uh, English club that he can circumnavigate the globe in 80 days, right? Given the technology of the day. And he bets 20,000 pounds, which is half of his fortune, um, that he can do it. So he takes off with his manservant, Passepartout, and they go around and and they're, you know, it, 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 Phineas Fogg is this meticulous planner. He has to be to make this trip work. I mean, he plans to the last second, you know, he knows the train schedules and the shipping routes and, and uh, all the highways. And so, I mean, I need that kind of person. Like your mom is kind of like my Phineas Fogg, right? And he's an in and out, right? Because he's got to do this trip around the world in 80 days. So he's that, you know, you can get to a place and you go to a, whatever, a beach or something and say, mm, this is pretty nice, but I don't want to come back in tomorrow and do the same thing, just sitting around. Yeah. So we're, we're always moving. We're always going to the next place, the next country, the next town. And Phineas, he's all about that because he's on a timetable, right? There you go. That's a good pick. He knows languages, he knows customs, and he, he's my de facto travel guide. And he's resourceful. So I couldn't think of a better fictional travel companion than Phineas Fogg. That would be that would be travel with no anxiety whatsoever. <laughs> you wouldn't have to think about anything. That's my plan. 
<laughs> well, my pick for characters, King. I can't wait. You're kind of going to laugh at this, I think, is Mary Poppins. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing something, but go ahead. First of all, how does she get places? She's magical. So she might be able to snap her fingers and take you somewhere else. That's possible. So skip the flight, skip the cars. If not, she'll just fly you there with her little flying bag and umbrella and you'll get there and it'll be all great. And also she can do that cool thing with the, with the clouds where she makes, she makes them into stairs and she can take you on the rooftops of the of the cities. And you can literally go places that nobody else can go if you're traveling with her. And what does she do when she's not nannying? I bet she does do world travel. Yeah, she could be a pretty wild travel companion. She can jump into chalk pictures on the ground. I think she can take you to pretty cool places in different cities. Well, she's pretty buttoned down when she's a nanny. So I think when she travels, she just lets it all go. Yeah. You would have like this experience that was magical. Instead of just like normal. <laughs> well, that, that's for sure. And also it's my favorite movie ever. So. <laughs> well, that helps too. But if your travel companion is a mystical, magical tour guide, then yep, you're going to have a magical time. So that's my pick for Characters King. Oh, excellent. Two wonderful picks for our travel edition of Characters King. All right. Well, we are just about up to it now. We are going to have... Christy Lene Moore in. Now, Christy is a contemporary romance novelist and a typographer at Tala Editorial. She was born and raised in Monterey Bay, California, and studied animal science uh, in college. But she decided that uh, writing was her passion, and she kind of landed on the the author side of things. Uh, she currently resides on a 60-acre educational rescue ranch with her husband and two daughters. Her debut novel, Travai, is a romance story that explores the bounds of friendship and love amid a whirlwind travel adventure filled with beautiful destinations and unexpected turns. Reviewers have called it a captivating story and a great fun adventure. Christy, welcome to The Right Note. Hello, thank you for having me. That was a great introduction too. In case listeners don't know, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your writing? All right. Well, I'm Christy Lene Moore, but you can just call me Christy. I live in California, and most of my stories actually start in California, even though I love to write about locations all over the world. We live on a ranch, and so that really inspires me to include animals in my stories as well. But yeah, I kind of am all over the place as far as, you know, what my passions are, but I decided that being an author is kind of where I wanted to land. It's a great place to be. Yeah. Well, I think authors are kind of wired to 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 be that. And I think a lot of times you kind of go on different paths at first. Like I was a purely an engineer for about 10, 12 years before I decided, hey, I used to enjoy writing when I was younger and I got back into it, you know. So it, we always find our way back to that to the craft, you know. That's very true. Now, Travai, I want to ask you a question about Travai. Uh, it was influenced by your own globetrotting adventures and life lessons you learned along the way. But I was curious, how did you go about selecting which autobiographical pieces of your life to put into the story and which to leave out? Interesting. That's a good question. I don't think I really, you know, gave it much thought. I pretty much just picked the locations that were my favorite. 
So like Australia, I went there when I was a little bit older, but most of the countries I went to when I was younger. So I feel like when I went back there, I had such a whimsical view of the place and that's what I wanted to bring to the story. So overall, I really wanted to pick different, like having different demographics as far as like different temperatures and different um, climates. So it kind of changed the story along the way. It wasn't any like calculated thing. I just was like, okay, this one, this one, this one. And I wanted to keep it, you know, to a limit of like five. So it's like really influenced by travel, like in places that you've been. That's cool. I feel like a lot of the authors that we've interviewed have said the same thing that a lot of their inspiration comes from places they've been and and, um, like landscapes and and that kind of thing. So that's pretty cool. Right. And I wrote it. um, Well, I started writing in 2016. And of course, you know, when you have an idea, you kind of just dabble in it here and there. And then I really took my writing seriously. I feel like mid 2021. So we are deep in, you know, the pandemic. And I wanted a way to kind of escape mentally and be able to travel when I really couldn't. And so that's why I started writing about travel. And part of that was remembering those places because I can't really recall so much from when I was 13, you know, and I'm in my mid thirties. And so I'd actually Google these places and watch these videos that people would take of these places. And it was just such a cool way to kind of escape being stuck at home. Yeah, I think there are also a lot of authors who wrote a lot during the pandemic because that that's what you had to do, you know, like you were stuck inside, you had to create a way to go somewhere else. Right. Yeah, a lot of people started being creative during that time, I feel like. Yeah. And a lot of writers and artists emerged from that period when we were just isolated from everyone. I got a question. I'm going to show either my my ignorance or, or whatever, but Travai... Is the title of your, your novel. Could you explain what Travai means? Yeah, it means a chance encounter with something wonderful. Um, there's also an alternative definition of a lucky find. And the way my two main characters meet is kind of just by chance. And an opportunity like that, even though it's not as realistic. I mean, I've never been asked to like, hey, I just met you. Do you want to travel with me for a whole, you know, three months? But I feel like for that, my main character, that was such a chance encounter. And it, even though she was really apprehensive about joining, it turned out to be this wonderful experience for her that changed her life. Oh, that's cool. I did not know that. Hey, sorry, Kira, I went off book. No, I stepped on your question. Your turn, I guess. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> you're totally fine. So as I have experienced through being friends with you on social media and just kind of following along on your life, I see you have a lot of things going on. You're a mom, you live on a horse ranch, you edit, you do typography and a whole bunch of other stuff that I can't even (laughs) list. How do you balance all of those things? Oh, that's a great question that I'm still working out. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's my main objective in life right now is to figure out this balance, especially only having a two month old. I felt like I had it kind of figured out before I got pregnant. And then no one really tells you when you're pregnant, your brain just doesn't work. And so for that whole nine months, I was really struggling to do anything. I couldn't even read a book and like remember what I read. Yeah. It's just a new stage of, you know, figuring out what works. And right now I don't have a set schedule. It's kind of like Anytime this girl sleeps, I'll just quickly write down something or quickly do a little bit of typesetting. Um, but her schedule is totally not consistent either. So right. it's really yeah. trying to figure out the little pockets of time you can just boom fit in something. Either it's reading, writing, typesetting, daydreaming, you know, anything. 
Do you spend most of your time editing and doing other clients' works, or do you find that you have a lot more time to do your own writing? I don't edit a lot, which thank goodness I don't. I try to, you know, when I'm typesetting, which if no one knows what that is, if you're not really, really into um, being an indie author right now and just kind of dabbing into it, the, it's the person who formats the interior of your book. And the way I like to do it, I don't, a lot of people just, you know, go in there and do the basic formatting, but we do a lot of, you know, design elements that are unique and we kind of go overboard. My editor who created this agency, she always says the bigger, the better, even though I'm more the simple, the better. So my clients, they take a lot of my time and they're pretty consistent. And so I feel like that takes up most of my time during the day. And then at night and like early in the morning, if I get up before my kids, which never really happens, that's when I have the freedom to be creative myself for myself. Right. It's such a hard a hard balance that you, you need to figure out. And honestly, the early mornings, sometimes those are the best, but it doesn't happen all the time. Nope. Well, with a, with a baby that young too, I mean, their schedule changes are going to be constant over the how long, Kara, until something something regular starts happening forever. (laughs) Yeah. It takes a long time. (laughs) It does. It does. That's awesome. Well, you're, you're doing great. (laughs) You are, you made it, you made it to a podcast show. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Show's not over yet. Okay. (laughs) 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 Okay. um, In a getting to know you Instagram post, you wrote, if we dated, chances are you are represented in my books in some way. And which, which I like this question. So has this, <laughs> has this confession been a good thing or a bad thing for the individuals immortalized in your stories? Um, <laughs> the funny thing is I have a few exes who follow me, but they have never commented on that post, whether or not are like questioning it. You know, we all have different experiences and they obviously didn't work for a reason, but I try to, if I dated you. I try to bring those good points in. Like there's certain moments that are like, that is so cute. You can't really, I mean, I want to recreate that just not for myself. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a diary. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to think like um, the star tripping thing. I don't know in the middle of my book, they're in Australia and the two main characters, the male character, Tristan teaches Sienna how to star trip. And it's just like a sweet moment that I experienced myself as a teenager. And I, I want to add that in there. I mean, you have to write about your experience, you know, yeah. so when you're writing a romance novel, like, yeah, obviously you have to use that kind of experience. So <laughs> yeah, no, but I think we, we all do as authors, I think either consciously or not, we really do write people we know into the stories. I know I particularly in, in some fashion, I had put me and Uncle Brian into into a couple of my books, you know, but it, it wasn't us. It was like two characters that did things like we did, you know, or exactly. uh, or you um, there's just traits that you found interesting in people, which I've done that, too, and make, make composite characters. You know? Yeah, that's funny. There's been multiple times where dad and I have been in like group settings and we'll see the same person and we'll be like that would be a funny character or like write down oh, I love that. that'd be hilarious <laughs> in my situation the main character Tristan is actually and my husband makes fun of me for this I've never had a celebrity crush until I was older like in my 20s and 30s and the main character is based off a celebrity I have like a celebrity crush on and I kind of watch his movies and like add those characteristics so it's like 
in my head, I'm the main character, Sienna, dating a celebrity crush that I'll never have a chance with. And obviously, I've been married for 13 years. It'll never happen. But and actually dedicated the, the dedications to that actors. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Are you willing to reveal the actor? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm very open about it. His name is Turn Edgerton. I don't know who that is. He was Elton in the Elton John movie that came out a couple years ago, Rocket Man. And he he has the movies, The Kingsman. But he was also the gorilla in Sing. I don't know if you've seen them. <laughs> I, I, I see Sing. But I did see The Kingsman. He's, he was the main guy in The Kingsman, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I know. That is hilarious. I love that you've dedicated your book to him. I really wish that he would see that. Oh, I'm totally <laughs> trying to get it into his hands. And the funny thing is he was doing, I don't know what it was called, but there's this thing that you can like purchase a celebrity to like record a message. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I was trying to get my husband to do it and be like, she wrote a book about you. So can we send it to you too? Yeah. But it didn't happen. <laughs> that, I saw an author do that. I don't remember what celebrity she chose, but I, it honestly was like so awkward <laughs> when he was talking about it. I was like, that's so out of character. Anyway, that's like going off so funny. <laughs> going off the track, but that's funny. Maybe, maybe we'll get him to listen to this podcast and then he'll, he'll grab the book. Yes, <laughs> He'll make it into a movie. <laughs> that's the dream, right? <laughs> right. That is the dream. So when you set out to publish Truvai, did you plan on going the independent publishing route at first? Or was that kind of like an afterthought or... So really what happened is for some reason, I don't even know the reason I decided to take it seriously. I think um, I had like a two-year-old at the time. I wasn't, I didn't have a job beside, you know, teaching horseback ride lessons at the ranch that I live at. And I was looking, you know, I love change and I was looking for a big life change. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to make my writing seriously. And I was researching different ways of how to get it published. And there was this one girl, I don't even know her name, but she's an author. I even have one of her books. She was sharing along the way of how she got traditionally published. I was like, oh, that's the only way you can. And you know how a lot of newbie authors think, you know, indie publishing is like for the people who can't get published type thing. And so I was like, of course, I'm not going to do that because I want people to take me seriously. Mm -hmm. How it came to me choosing to indie publish was I was trying to connect and find editors through Instagram. And for some reason, I found my editor and she's like, I'm really interested in, you know, the concepts that you're showing on Instagram about your, your novel that you're writing. Can I read it? And I was like, well, all right, like, what do I have to lose? So I sent it to her and she's like, I want to work with you. Do, are you interested in indie publishing? And so it kind of just fell into my lap. And she was the one to convince me that, you know, it's a serious way of publishing your book and you can still have the same exposure as traditional publishing. So I was like, all right. I'm in if that's the case. Yeah, why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Now, we talked about this on previous episodes about indie publishing and um, how so long ago it did have a, a certain stigma to it. But today it's it's totally reversed because uh, just the accessibility you have to get to your readers and readers getting to you and you can find your section of people who, who enjoy your, your writing and your stories, you know, and plus the technology for ebooks and print and all that stuff. There's so many publishing houses of one out there, you know, right. that that it's a much more viable option. And and I and I, I debated this myself a while back in my career, and and I think the way it's gone, I would prefer or stay with being an indie published author over like a standard first author mid press contract, right? Mm-hmm. Because 
the, you're going to do all the work anyway. Right. You might as well uh, benefit from the sales of your books and not share it, right? Exactly. So you, you discovered your talent for and love of typography uh, while preparing your manuscript for publication. Can you take us down that road of discovery? Yeah. <laughs> it was actually, my whole story is pretty straightforward. When I was editing my book, my editor also did the typesetting for my original copy of Truvi. I have the second publication out right now, which I did the typography for, but she let me decide the fonts that I liked and kind of the layout I wanted. And she showed, she sent me all these fonts. I was like, this is actually really fun. Look how different they are. And she told me, you know, to think of how my main character would think as far as picking out a font and the story behind why she picked out that font. And I was just kind of obsessed with the whole process of picking out things and figuring out where they're going to go as far as do I want it to say chapter one or do I want to spell out one as the chapter and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of expressed to her that I thought this was fun. And she said, you know, I have another client because I was her first official fiction author. So she said, I have another client and I need typeset for, do you want to just try it and see what you think? And I was like, all right. So I tried it. You know, I watched the videos. I actually took a class about how to typeset and I ended up loving it. And I love, you know, checking and reading along. And the process is kind of mundane to most people because it's kind of repeating itself. (laughs) But I love, I love kind of spacing out and listening to podcasts like this while I do it. And it actually makes more money than being an author. So I said, hey, I'm going to do this as well. And it will just fund, you know, my next book. And hopefully do that. So it really just fell into my lap. And no, oh, I, I think it's a God thing that it did. That's how it happened. That's so, that's so awesome. It, typesetting, I think I'd never really had any experience with it until I self-published. And it's so funny because I honestly feel like it was the part I hated the most. <laughs> and, and I think, I think that has to do with like personality. Like I, I feel like you're very organized and like, you know, put together and you see things in a very creative sense when it comes to organization like even on your Instagram it's just very very put together oh thank you yeah I don't feel like that 99.9% <laughs> of the time so I appreciate it of course you know no I saw I saw some of your typography uh work that you put online and it's very beautiful it's really nice neat stuff like Kira mentioned we I mean I worked with Kira when we were doing your your typeset, he did mine. Yeah. Oh, cool. And it, but I, we keep it very basic. You know, I uh, I've done my books, uh, and it it's like my my original goal with my typesetting was I don't want anyone to be able to look at the book and say this doesn't look like a book I've read before. You know, like yeah. it doesn't look like a real. You know what I mean? I wanted yeah. it to be transparent to to readers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and it just dabbled in some some little maybe graphics, uh, black and white things in between, but nothing like that kind of the kind of work you're doing on your book. So that looks really beautiful. It's good stuff. Thank you. And the cool thing is, if you're an indie author, you have the freedom to do that. Whereas if you traditionally publish, you don't really get a say in anything. So it's really fun that I can meet the author and have a Zoom call like this and talk to them and figure out what they want as far as what would the dream book look like, and I can actually right. bring that to life without any restrictions. So. I think that was my favorite part about self-publishing was having control over everything. Like, what do you want your cover to look like? And what, you know, like, I just didn't want to give up control on that to somebody else, you know? And I'm like very happy with how everything turned out because I got to do what I wanted, you know? <laughs> that's that's the, the great thing 
And the scary thing about independent publishing is because you have control over everything. You make all the decisions. And the way it turns out with uh, between the, the story and the cover and the typography and all that stuff, it's all your decision. And that's great. But, you know, like they say, great with great power comes great responsibility or something like that. If everyone loves it, it's great. If people don't like it, it's all on you, you know, but you take that, you take that responsibility when you do it. And I think that fires you to make sure you do a good job, right? You, you don't yeah. want people to have a, a negative impression of your, of your book. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just what you were saying, even just kind of a little bit off topic, but with you know, if people, if people don't like it, it's, it's on you because that's your, like, that's, you did it all. It's your work and you chose everything and all that kind of stuff. But I always remind myself that writing is so subjective and like where I, I always look for books. I like to read books that are very character driven, but somebody else might like a book that's more plot driven, you know, like that kind of thing. And so if someone doesn't like what you put out there, it, that's, it's really not a personal attack because I have hated books that some people have loved and Mm. vice versa, you know, and I think that's just something is if you're a self-published author, I think that's a good thing to remind yourself because sometimes you can be like, oh no, this person didn't like it. And that's like, I must mean that I'm not a good writer, but it's, that's just not even traditional, traditionally published authors get feedback like that. You know, I think my first, yeah, my first bad review was pretty early on and the, I forgot what the review was exactly, but I, it didn't have enough like smut in it. And I was like, yeah, it has none because <laughs> I love like people look for books that don't have yeah. that in it. <laughs> and I feel like now I need to have like all my books will be very closed door if there is a door at all. Like, because, you know, one of the reasons I actually decided to be an author was because I used to be a nanny for quadruplets for 10 years and I read what they were reading and I was like, this is horrible stuff. I need to find books that, you know, have that romance I want, but also don't even go down that path. And so that's kind of why I decided I want most, if not all, my books to have zero smut, closed door, no door type thing, but still enjoyable for all ages. Mm -hmm. And that's honestly, that's so hard right now because people want, you know, that kind of stuff in their books. And honestly, some people don't even care if the plot's terrible, if the characters are terrible, if it has those types of scenes in it, they're like interested in it and want to read it. And so it's hard when you're writing the opposite of that. But I think a lot of people are, are getting tired of just constantly reading those scenes all the time. And that's really it, you know, like that's the meat of the book. I feel like it's going to swing the other way pretty soon because everything is very heavily in that direction. And I feel like authors, especially authors and readers are like, all right, like, Come on. Enough of that. We need more of a story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Things go in phases. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you watch a TV show in the last two, three years. It's all dark, gritty, and um, dystopian, you know? And I, for one, I'm getting tired of it, you know? So mm-hmm. hopefully it kind of moves into something else, you know? But, but getting back to like critical comments or reviews, I mean, there's a couple of different types, I guess, maybe. And there's one where if someone just doesn't like what you did or the way you did it, that's like you said, Kira, that's subjective. And you can, you can file that somewhere, wherever you want. You know, I've had, I had one guy who hated my first book, but he hated it for his own personal reasons, you know, 
And it, when I first got his comments, I was like, you know, it's like a gut punch. And then after thinking about it, it's like, wait a minute, he's saying this for whatever reason. It's not, it's not, I shouldn't take it to heart like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's the other comments where you should always listen to, to critiques, I guess, because there's, there's things to learn or things to take from them. Even if it's something you don't like, and I care, we've talked about this before where, Hey, uh, this person said this negative thing about my story, but Hey, if this person felt negative about it, did I, did I communicate what I wanted correctly? You know, that this person said this and it's just, it's just how, how you, uh, I guess, filter those comments through and, and uh, consider them really is, is, is kind of how you got to look at it. And I've, I've heard a lot of authors even say like, they don't even look at reviews for their books because they don't really find it beneficial, honestly, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's probably a good thing to do because I don't know, sometimes it's like, is it beneficial for the author or is it more for readers to, right. you know, see what, what's up? Like I've read, I've read reviews where they just say they don't like a book because it was like, oh, it felt like too much of a classic trope or something. And then I'm like, oh, but I like classic tropes. So I yeah. will read it, you know, like, <laughs> right, so right. I, I think reviews are for readers, not necessarily for the author. Yeah, I stopped reading it after I think feel like the first week after my book came out, you know, you're so excited. And then it's like, actually, if it's not really good for my mental health, I'm just gonna ignore it and just move on and work on my next thing. What do you feel was the toughest part of self publishing? I was really lucky, because my my editor was really trying to prove herself to me. And that's how she kind of created this agency that really handles everything. So she did like all the nitty gritty as far as the editing, the type, the typesetting, she had a cover designer, and then she uploaded it for me on Ingram Sparks and all that kind of stuff. So oh, that's hard. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, so now my second one is up to me. So I'm kind of learning how to do that now. Yeah, so I had that all taken care of. I think the hardest part, the hardest part was editing, just because I feel like you read it so many times. And after a while, it all just kind of, you know, blurs together. And kind of stretching scenes out was pretty difficult for me, especially when she's like, can you describe the scenery more? I was like, I honestly don't remember what it looked like. So I have to do more research online as far as like watching walkthrough videos of that country or that city or that countryside. So yeah, it was, that was probably the hardest part. And I had a really young child at the time. So it was a lot of late nights and then early mornings taking care of her. So I'm kind of going through that again, you know, three years later, but I feel like that is the hardest part for sure. Because when you know your story too, like you get to a point where you're like, is this boring? Yeah. Because I know what's going to happen, but you've read it like seven or eight times, probably more. Yeah, that I think that's hard too. It's it's like this your self confidence starts to go down because you were really excited about the the book at first, and then when you're really at the end of editing, it's like, oh, this is just I'm so bored. Yeah. You know, right. I, I think everyone feels like that. Definitely. <laughs> you lived with the story for probably years, right? From thinking about it to writing it to revising it and editing, so you know exactly how it's supposed to go. And when you're reading it, your your mind is going to fill in what it should say. And if there's little typos uh, or little inaccuracies or whatever, in, in how you're going to miss it. You're going to skip right over it. So, right. I mean, uh, it's, I think it's really important to, to, to get an, an editor, uh, uh, I guess a professional editor and have them look at it with their eyes, looking at it for the first time, you know, right. no matter how many times you go over it. 
Yeah, that's why it's good to have beta readers, too, for somebody who hasn't read it before. Trusted beta readers. Yeah, be selective on who you let read. Like, that's a whole other thing. But yes, (laughs) that is a hard part of self-publishing is uh, publishing in general, just reading your story, your own story over and over. Yep, (laughs) definitely is. Yeah, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit here. Because we mentioned it a couple of times already, but you live on a nonprofit ed- educational rescue ranch. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was homeschooled my whole life until college. And my mom back then, you know, back in the early 90s, there wasn't a lot of resources for homeschoolers. So my mom took it upon herself to create like this homeschool library and create this nonprofit that would help take kids on field who are homeschooled field trips around the world. And that's how I got my exposure for my story was because I was homeschooled and got those opportunities to just travel the world as schooling. Fast forward to when I was in high school, my parents decided, oh, we want to expand this and have a place where homeschoolers could come and learn in person and we could teach them classes. And then it just kind of expanded to, oh, we're going to buy a 60 acre ranch we're going to start doing summer camps and start doing horseback riding lessons and weddings and everything. Like we do a lot of retreats for um, churches and for groups. So it kind of just blew up into this huge thing, but in the best way possible. It's such a great way to raise your kids. And there's a lot of scenery that I can sit and have a peaceful moment to write and read if I need it. So that's pretty much it. So is this like a family ranch? Technically kind of is like a family compound. My brother lived here. I lived here for about seven, eight years now. And my parents also live here, but it's big enough where it's kind of everyone spread out a little bit. I thought it was interesting because I think I read that you were a horseback riding trainer as well. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the things we do informs kind of what we write about. And do you see a, maybe a book in your future where, you know, maybe a period piece, a fantasy or a Western type thing that horseback <laughs> riding is kind of the mode of transportation because you know it, right? Yeah, I don't know really well. Interestingly enough, because I was uh, homeschooled and traveled a lot, there was a lot of history being thrown at me growing up young. So I can't, I can't stand historical novels for that reason. (laughs) (laughs) It's horrible. So I probably want to write about it. But interestingly enough, all the books I have written, published or non-published or unpublished or yet to be published, there's horses in there in some kind of way because it was such a key point in my life and my growth. And I feel like horses were a way for me to, you know, mentally process things and kind of get aggression out or dream a little bit, kind of let loose. And I feel like that's a really great way for your character to have self-reflection as well. So yeah, there is a lot of horses and the ocean you can actually see from the top of the ranch. And so there's a lot of, you know, ocean themes in my books as well. That's cool. Probably not histor- historical novel. <laughs> <laughs> Western. I don't know. I don't know if I could write that. I'm more very contemporary. <laughs> I'll stick to that. Historic, I mean, just really historical fiction. Like, I don't think I could write it either because my, my wife reads that. And and from what I gather, it's, and I don't read much of it, but it's very, very intricate and detailed. And you got to do a lot of research for that. And that's that's even beyond me. I mean, a lot of, a lot of my stories, I kind of use history as a, as a background for what's going on today, you know, but I, it's nothing like a historical novel. So I, I'm kind of on the same page with you in that regard. A lot of work. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's a lot of work. It's, if you're not that into researching history, right. that is a lot right. of work. <laughs> that sounds like torture to me. <laughs> right. One of my favorite books, though, is a historical fiction book. And I, I always say I don't like historical fiction, 
But then when I read them, I'm like, that was so dang good. You know, like, I don't, I don't know why, like if it's done well, it's really good. Kirstie, we really appreciate you joining us on the right note. And now, uh, do you have any events coming up uh, for Travai, blog tour, book signings, anything oh, like that? Or? I would love all of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but no, I, um, this book Travai that is out now, I discontinued the original novel. The second one I have out right now is actually kind of special because it has a recipe in there. It has book club questions. I am trying to reach out to book clubs because I found by experience that they do really well in book clubs and women love to talk about their dreams and what they're going through and kind of big life changes later in life. So yeah, so that's pretty much it for Travai. I am trying to subwrite query for that. But I also have um, a novella coming out hopefully by the end of this year called The Mailbox Club, which is a whole different genre. It's a murder mystery. So I'm trying to reach all my demographics. I love it. That's so cool. Is there a place where readers can find you? Like if you have a website, social media, or anything along those lines? So basically my website, Instagram, I'm trying to learn TikTok. I'm kind of old for that. And I'm trying to figure that one out. TikTok, Facebook is um, at Christy Lene Moore. And you can find my books, my inspiration. I'm trying to get better about posting because my hands are definitely full. But I try to be really honest, especially in my stories about what's going on in my life, what's going on in my writing and my typography and all that kind of good stuff. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us and um, okay. wish you the best with Travai and your novella coming out later this year. And as we say on the right note, keep your pen to the page and write on.